Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go. Hour two on a great day for talk radio. Weather-wise, as you can see, there's a lot of volatility built into the forecast, and uh, that means the road conditions become treacherous at times, other times rather benign, but how the heck do you tell the difference unless I forewarn you? By the way, uh, you know the deputy mayor is going to join us here shortly as part of our panel, topics worthy of discussion. He's been getting an earful. The 311 calls coming in from dissatisfied folk who say the roads still aren't plowed or the catchment basins haven't been cleared and there's flooding and yada yada. It's uh, just horrific stuff. But, uh, you know, here in Canada, it's winter. And it's early February, so I guess it's uh, not necessarily the anomaly. But, you know, being the progressive country that we are, there's so much else to look forward to and live for, isn't there? I mean, uh, what a great time to be alive. We've got legalized pot that's now been enshrined. And, uh, in fact, the dispensaries, uh, we had the first tranche announced, I guess, in the limited bunch uh, for Toronto and the GTA uh, just yesterday. As I was saying last hour, I guess one on Cumberland Avenue in Yorkville. That might be a real primo spot uh, for somebody setting up shop, but uh, that remains to be seen. We'll talk about that a little later. I wanted to talk about the whole marijuana legalization thing in a different context because it's been brought to my attention. In fact, I've seen the gentleman interviewed on TV, and it's really arresting stuff. Uh, Alex Berenson is a former reporter with the New York Times, and he's written a book, Tell Your Children the Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. Let's get Alex Berenson on the show here uh, as a very timely consideration given that legalization has just been implemented here uh, not, what, four months ago. Alex, good to have you on the Oakley Show in Toronto. Good afternoon. Uh, John, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you know, I appreciate your coming on. As I said, I've seen you interviewed on TV, and needless to say, in the aftermath, there's also been uh, a lot of blowback or uh, people, you know, attempting to shred your evidence uh, that you cite here in the book and studies that are done uh, as to toxicity and uh, outcomes and so on and so forth. So first of all, uh, how do you feel? Are you confident in your research that it's bulletproof? Uh, or do you... In oh, any- yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm more confident than ever. Uh, I... You know, the book's been out for a month. I expected people would would come at it, and they have. But no one has, uh, no one's found any you know major or really even minor factual errors in the book. Um, and, and you know, so so what what people have said is sort of been reduced to saying, well, the book cherry picks. And first of all, the book doesn't cherry pick. Uh, what I what I realized is that cherry picking is a is a word that or a phrase that advocates use when you present them with stocks they don't like. Um, so when they can't say you're wrong or that you've made a mistake or that you've misquoted a study because the book doesn't do any of those things, and it draws on 150 years of research from five continents, what they say is, you cherry-picked this, or you selected arguments to facts that support your argument. Yes, I selected facts that support the argument. Um, and the argument is that marijuana is a, is a pretty neurotoxic drug that's got a lot of psychiatric side effects, and that there's a lot of evidence actually that it produces violence, uh, and you know, and and I stand by that uh, more firmly than I than I ever have. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's pretty arresting stuff. When you talk about how it impacts mental health, uh, leads to violence, as you just suggested. Well, here in Canada, uh, we haven't had this debate, as far as I understand it. Uh, it seems like we've embarked on a grand social experiment. How do you see it? I think so. My my wife's actually Canadian. So first of all, my wife is a psychiatrist, and uh, she grew up in Newfoundland and, uh, you know, trained at Monnea and then uh, got her residency or psychiatric residency in the, in the U.S. at uh, at Harvard and Columbia. So, you know, she knows, she knows a little bit about medicine and about science. And, um, you know, and she's going to encourage me to write this book. But so, you know, so I'm pretty, we, you know, we visit her relatives in, in Newfoundland pretty, uh, pretty regularly. And, um, you know, they are, I would say they're very typical Canadians. They, um, they're, you know, they're nice people. Uh, they don't really have a strong view on this. They don't use cannabis themselves. Um, uh, they just think, hey, you know what? Um, why not? People drink. People should be allowed to do this. And this way you can regulate it and you can get some taxes. Um, you know, sort of all the stuff that, uh, you know, the well-meaning uh, sort of center-left media has been telling people in the U.S. and Canada about this for 25 years. Um, and, and the truth is that both in the U.S. and in Canada, most people don't use cannabis. Only about 15% of people use. And so most people are sort of depending on the media to tell them you know, is this is is this a really dangerous drug? Are these side effects real, or or is this you know basically just alcohol or even alcohol light? And there's no reason it shouldn't be legal. And so you get a lot of people like like my wife's relatives who who just basically don't have a strong opinion on this. And if the government wants to do it, then so be it. All right, and so uh, as you're right, uh, it's been sort of widely accepted as relatively benign. But tell us, because we've got a precursor in states like Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, stateside. What's been shown in those states that have legalized pot in terms of violence, as you cited, mental illness, DUIs, fatalities, etc.? So, 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 so there's a whole basket of questions there. But let's talk about violence in the in the U.S. and to a lesser extent in Canada. This legalization was sold, among other things, with the promise of this is going to reduce violent crime. The police are going to be able to focus on real criminals, you know, Shaggy, who's smoking a, a joint in the park, and, uh, and there's going to be no black market. And in the four states that have first legalized in the U.S., murders are up about 40 percent since 2013, when legalization began, recreational legalization began in 2014. Aggravated assaults are up almost 30 percent, and the numbers are getting worse. If you look at if you look at the biggest cities, Denver and Colorado, murders have almost doubled since 2013. Yeah, but, but having Alex, let me just interject because wave. the obvious yeah. question or rejoinder to that is uh, correlation is not necessarily causation. No. no, and I would say at this point, it is it would be too early to say this crime wave is directly the result of legalization. But what I can tell you is that the people who promised that crime would go down, that violent crime would go down, that has been shown not to be true. And when you say, okay, yes, correlation is not causation, I can point you to many, many crimes where cannabis appears to have been directly involved. Here's how cannabis causes crime, okay? Alcohol causes crime, too, by the way. We know this. And, you know, anybody who's been in a bar at 9 p.m. and goes back at 2 a.m., knows that alcohol makes, you know, it escalates things, it makes arguments into fights, it makes fights into brawls, things, 
alcohol causes crime. Everybody knows that. But people also know that you can be at home with your family having a beer. That doesn't mean you're going to do anything terrible. So cannabis, yes, plenty of people can just smoke it, hang out. They're not going to do anything crazy. But cannabis can produce psychosis. Psychosis is the psychiatric term for a break from reality. It could be that you're having hallucinations. It could be that you're hearing voices. Or really the most dangerous kind of psychosis is the paranoid kind, where you become convinced that you're in danger. You're in danger from a stranger. You're in danger from the police. You're in danger from your family. You're being poisoned. Somebody's out to get you. And you have to react violently. And especially if you have pre-existing mental illness, people who become psychotic are at very high risk for violence. And cannabis causes psychosis. This is, the fact that cannabis causes paranoia, I don't even think an advocate could disagree with that. If you go into a dispensary and you say, hey, look, I want, you know, I want, something, I want something good today, but I'm feeling a little bit anxious and I don't want to get paranoid, they will respond to that because they know that, these, that this drug can cause paranoia. Well, you say can cause. So I'm wondering uh, yeah. when the you cite that it uh, has an impact on mental health, causes schizophrenia, worsens bipolar disorder. Is that the rule or is that the anomaly? Well, so so schizophrenia is the sort of worst, most severe form of mental illness you can have. And by the way, what, schizophrenia is not something I would wish on my worst enemy. It's a disease that causes agonizing suffering for the person who has it, and for the you know, and for the patient's family. It's very expensive. It doesn't have a cure. Sometimes it just sort of burns out on its own, but it's a terrible disease, okay? So, so the best statistics are that about one person in 150 will get schizophrenia over the course of his life. And, you know, they, the number isn't as good as we would like because, especially in the U.S., but also in Canada, mental health records are pretty protected, and, you know, we don't have great, we don't have, we don't have the certainty that we would like. But that's a generally, it's a pretty good number. So, okay. If you take a population of people who are smoking cannabis in their adolescence regularly to heavily, you find that the risk that those people will get schizophrenia is somewhere between two and four times that. So that means that an additional one person in 70, one person in 100, maybe as high as one person in 50 is going to get schizophrenia. Now, that's not, that's not one person in 10, okay? But it's a real number if a lot of people are using cannabis, and schizophrenia is a terrible disease. Plus, you have this temporary psychosis issue, which is very common. Okay, I'm talking about the person who smokes, gets paranoid enough to wind up in the ER, and is there overnight. Okay, and you know the next day he and his buddies are kind of laughing about, boy, you thought that was you, you were crazy, and you thought the cops were going to bust in and get us all. And it's a joke, except that maybe the maybe one time it happens, the guy picks up a knife and stabs his friend to death. That's not a joke, and that does happen. Again, with Alex Berenson, former reporter for the New York Times, he's the author of this book that's uh, caused some uh, disquiet within the uh, community of advocates or proponents of legalized pot. Tell your children the truth about marijuana, mental illness, and violence. Let me ask you, because one of the, uh, I guess, trade-offs that has been suggested by uh, the proponents is that it's a more benign alternative to opioids, so therefore uh, marijuana, legalized marijuana, is a potential good. What do you say? Well, I say, I'm sure you saw today that the B.C. Uh, coroner's office said that B.C. had 1,500 opioid uh, deaths last year. It was a record. Um, 
And, you know, there's no, there's no place in the world where cannabis is more widely accepted than Vancouver and B.C. Well, so are you saying it's a gateway drug? Are you saying marijuana is oh, a... Oh it's, oh, it's absolutely a gateway drug. I mean, there is zero question it's a gateway drug. You can argue about why. If the argument is this drug is illegal, and so if you get it from a dealer, that dealer is going to have heroin and cocaine, and maybe you're going to try those things, so we should legalize it and move it out of that sphere... That's uh, okay. That's a, it's not a good argument, but it's a but it's a legitimate argument. I, I think the uh, the other argument is marijuana is an addictive drug that gets people high, and people like being high. And so, if you start with marijuana, you're likely to want to try other things. It primes your brain to try other things. But when people say it's not a gateway drug, there's a hundred years of evidence that people start with marijuana and use on, move on to other drugs. The only question is why. Alex, I've got to ask you one final question because I'm curious, you know, uh, you do write in your book about how the legalization lobby turned their debate, well, he turned it around and won it, actually, in Canada and some states, and uh, maybe ultimately, uh, you know, federally the Americans uh, will go down that road, but uh, how did they win it? Uh, They won it by saying that marijuana was medicine. Uh, They won it by saying that uh, there's a lot of people in jail for uh, cannabis possession, which is not true in the United States or in Canada. Um, and they went with the help of the elite media and Hollywood. My joke about this is when I want to get psychotic, I don't smoke pot. I watch this HBO show called High Maintenance, which is about your friendly neighborhood pot dealer in, in New York City. And it's ridiculous. The guy delivers to 18-year-old girls, he delivers to pregnant women. It's just, it's just bizarre that this is how this drug use is portrayed. Let's be honest. People smoke cannabis to get high. Okay, they use it the way they use alcohol or any recreational drug. It's not medicine. It has risks. Let's be honest about this. And the reason the book is called Tell Your Children, by the way, is because I do want parents to have a resource to talk to their kids about this when their kids say, oh, no, this is way safer than alcohol. You should be happy on using it. No, absolutely not true. Well, all right. And uh, if it's not medicine, why did it get the approval from Health Canada and maybe the FDA? Well, I don't, I don't know what it's been approved for in Canada. I can tell you the, the FDA has not approved uh, uh, cannabis, smoked cannabis for any uh, use. Well, we got medi- medical marijuana. There's like uh, over 100,000 scripts written annually in this country. So, so the situation in the U.S. is slightly different. In the U.S., you can't get a prescription for medical marijuana. You can get an authorization from a doctor, and then you go buy your own cannabis for whatever use you like. Um, I, will, I will admit, I do not know... The, uh, the, the fine points of the law in Canada, but I can tell you that in the U.S., smoked cannabis is not approved by the FDA as a as a as a medical product. CBD is approved for certain childhood seizures. That is true, and THC is approved for very very narrow conditions. But for most of the stuff people say cannabis or THC treats, it is, it, there's very very little evidence. It's a moderately good pain reliever for the same reason that alcohol is a moderately good pain reliever. It's an intoxicant. So, you know, in the 1870s, if you were in, you know, uh, Alberta and your horse fell on you, the doctor gave you a slug of whiskey before he said it. But, but this is not a pain reliever, and it's not a medicine. It, people, let, let's just be honest about what it is. It's a drug that people use to get high. It's uh, a very, very arresting uh, read, I've got to say, and I appreciate it. I'm sure, uh, you know, you, the blowback will continue with uh, the proponents suggesting that uh, there are chinks in your armor, but you said off the top, uh, you feel you're bulletproof with your research and your data, and your wife also concurs from her uh, clinical trials there as a psychiatrist. Appreciate your time very much, Alex. Uh, all the best with the book. 
John, thanks so much for having me on. You got it. Alex Berenson, former New York Times reporter. Tell your children the truth about marijuana, mental illness, and violence. There you go. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 